Authorities in California have started cracking down on businesses and other establishments that refuse to comply with the state's latest lockdown orders. As coronavirus cases continue to mount, Governor Gavin Newsom has dispatched strike teams across the state to enforce the new rules. However, a number of business owners in San Diego, as well as other parts of the state, have openly said they will not close down. And rumors are starting to spread that some businesses have even taken to operating surreptitiously, going so far as to paper over their windows. Brittany Myling has been covering this story, along with others on the San Diego Union Tribune's business team. Brittany, thanks for joining us on the News Fix. Happy to be here. In some ways, this is not a new story, right? Give us a little background on the track record of businesses when it comes to complying with the state's first lockdown orders. Um, well, it's kind of like not just San Diego. It's all throughout the state of California, all, th all throughout the country, really. The compliance has varied a lot depending on business type. And some have been a lot more vocal than others, um, often because they might have a little bit less to lose by being vocal depending on how their kind of business is regulated. So um, yeah, there's, I mean, it, you have a lot of anecdotal stories, a lot of readers write in to tell us about uh, businesses that are not complying with the shutdown order. So this is definitely not a new thing, but with the second wave of shutdown orders, I think what's happened is there's a lot of small business owners that have gotten to this point where they're at their limit and they, they feel very frustrated and fed up and and they feel like they've gotten through the last three to four months now of closures. They invested a lot of money to bring their operations up to you know, the standards that are required now. They brought back their workers off of unemployment, which is very tricky because of the extra $600 a week CARES Act money. So they're having to often pay their workers a little bit more and kind of assure them that it's safe to come back, not just for their health, but also this job's gonna stick around for a while. So then- right to just a couple of weeks later have to shut down again and their employees are furious with them because they've lost their unemployment. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of businesses saying we're not gonna do it this time. Okay, and we're talking about retail storefronts, churches, fitness centers, salons. Tell, us, tell me who you talked to most recently and what were their reasons for refusing to shut down basically? Yeah, well, I should clarify that with the retail thing, they had been operating kind of outside of the rules, uh, you know, a handful of them um, throughout the previous shutdown. Currently, retail is able to operate indoors right now. That's that's the rule right now. Um, but churches and salons, fitness centers, these are the ones that have recently been asked to close back down their indoor operations. And so that's that's kind of the new news is that group of businesses. And it just so happens like gyms and fitness centers have been the most vocal about it. And I think it's because salons, uh, both hair salons and nail salons and things like that, they're, um, they have to be licensed by the state. And uh, if you're operating like a hairstylist, they could lose their license. The salon itself could lose its license if it's not being compliant. Whereas gyms don't have, you know, to worry about that. So they can be very okay. vocal about that resistance. So, you know, our latest story, we had multiple gyms that had been vocal. And those were just a handful of many more we heard about after the fact. And what are they saying? What, why won't they shut down? Are they not worried about the, the health implications of this? Well, it's, um, it's more that they feel that they've satisfied, you know, the, the, requ the original requirements. So, you know, they put in, you know, their plexiglass shields and their employees are wearing masks. And although fitness centers in particular tend to not enforce the mask rule as much as these other businesses do. Okay. Um, but they also feel like 
particularly with gyms, something I heard over and over again is they believe that staying fit, like physically fit, is one of the best defenses for people to, you know, be able to to fight a, a COVID infection. And so one thing that that is a, a constant that I don't just hear from fitness center owners, but a lot of business owners is they feel it's kind of unfair, some of these rules of which businesses are considered essential and which aren't. Like that, a, you know, a liquor store can continue selling alcohol, but a gym can't help people, you know, stay fit and healthy. You know, in terms of priorities about fit, you know, health, overall health, they think, well, why can you buy alcohol, but you can't work out? You know, that's that's the thinking. Okay. And can they get away with this? I guess that's the question, right? Like the governor's created these strike teams, they're composed of regulators from a bunch of different agencies like Alcohol Beverage Control or ABC and Division of Occupational Safety and Health, Cal OSHA. They're going around apparently roaming the streets of California, finding businesses that are trying to flout the law. I mean, is this does this seem like it's going to have an impact or can these guys just basically look the other way? Uh, you know, it will be an, it will be impactful to those who get caught. But the truth is that there's not a lot, there's not a lot of people, you know, going after a lot of small businesses. So there's, there's a lot of um, businesses out there for the county or the state or all of these different programs to find all of them that are operating under the radar, especially small businesses, because it's easy to, to lay low with your operations. Like um, even gyms, sometimes it's not obvious that they're open uh, mm -hmm. from the exterior of the building. So um, it's what I've been hearing a lot over the last four months is a lot of like hush hush operations. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I think in your story, you said something about papering over windows, right? And they're trying to pretend like they're closed, but when they're actually operating, is that something that is actually happening widespread? You know, it's so hard to know if it's widespread or if it's like a, a few bad actors per neighborhood that people talk about. But I have been covering small, you know, what's happening with small business for about four months now. A lot is, of course, told to reporters off the record. And so we can't necessarily sure. write about that. But I can't I can say for sure that it's not just one kind of business. There are many businesses that have been doing things like papering up the windows, um, making it look as if they're closed on the exterior while um, continuing to do business um, on the inside. So this is something that really is happening. Yeah, it is. And, you know, um, I had been hearing it myself, you know, something that did end up in my story was a salon owner who said, you know, that's been a rumor among her industry for for a long time as well, because salons were shut down for so long. I think one of the longest out of all small businesses, salons had to be right. shut down for so long. So, right. you know, out of desperation, this is this is their livelihoods. Uh, they would continue to take, especially regular clients that people, you know, that they, they know and feel comfortable with seeing. Sometimes hairstylists would be doing house calls privately, you know, going into people's homes. And this salon owner said, you know, I actually feel like that's the unsafe activity when you continue to operate inside and you're going into people's homes. And she was wishing that, that the state would allow them to operate um, outdoors, which right now salons can't because of how they're uh, regulated. So she was like, let us operate outside legally so that this indoor activity can cease. Now, can't a lot of these business owners take advantage of the emergency relief funding out there? I mean, there's so many, it seems like there's so many different programs to keep people floating. What are these, what are these folks saying in terms of why they need to continue operating? Um, sorry, my Slack's going to go off and I don't know how to mute it. <laughs> 
So what was your what was your question about? Like, uh, can't they can't these business owners take advantage of all the emergency relief funding out there? Um, so you know that's that's been the conversation quite a lot. Is like, well, can't they get these loans that are totally forgivable and then yeah. they'll be fine? But it's been very difficult to get that loan. First of all, it takes a long time from the point that you apply to the point you actually get the money. So a lot of businesses went two months, almost three months without getting a loan if they qualified at all, which many small businesses, including some of the gems that I quoted in my recent story, they applied to everything and they got turned down. Um, so it's not available to everyone. Plus that those funds ran out, you know, several times they would try and like refill them and then they would run out again. And uh, even if they do qualify, there's a lot of rules for how businesses have to use this money. First of all, they have to use it within like a certain number of weeks after receiving it. And it has to primarily be for payroll, which is like, yeah, that's the point, right? Keep people, people in, employed. But if you're like a salon that's not allowed to operate, you get the money and then you have to spend it all on salaries for people who can't even do any work for you. Uh, so in the end, your business isn't any better off for receiving the loan. So it's kind so of- people are, So people are super, fr these business owners are super frustrated, right? With the whole system. That seems to be one of the underlying themes here is they're saying, well, we're gonna open up, we're gonna save our business because the state hasn't really, or the federal government hasn't really done anything to help us. Is, is that the, the, what you're hearing from folks? Yes, and something that I hear a lot, and I actually, I did a story that never got published because it happened right before COVID about this misconception that small business owners have a lot of money, you know, like they're wealthy people. Um, right. and I went out and I found um, a lot of businesses that were okay with giving me access to their books. So I could actually see how much money do they make? How much do they spend? And get an idea of like their income levels as well. And the truth is that many business owners in San Diego are living paycheck to paycheck like everyone else. They truly cannot go with just shutting down their business for so long and not having any assistance. And so a lot of times people are like, you know what, I understand the health threat. I understand you know, the way that my community is responding to me for staying open, but I gotta pay my rent still. You know, And, and I think there's that feeling of, of desperation. Yeah, people are legitimately scared about losing everything, it seems like, right? This is, they're, just like everyone else, like so close to the edge with these really thin margins. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my Slack to stop. <laughs> okay. um, so, the, so the county has said, the county has said, we've got to do this. We've got to shut these down. The, the coronavirus cases are spiking. We got deaths in the double in the double digits now we didn't see that for a long time all these extremely worrying signs of where we're going and they're saying okay we're also going to help the state try to go around and crack down on these businesses that are refusing to close do you have any sense about whether or not they have the capacity to do that to really make a difference whether or not uh, these businesses can be can be policed into compliance as far as the county, like the San Diego County strike teams, this is a brand new uh, idea that's just now being mobilized. And they're not sharing details with us yet about what that actually looks like and like, you know, how many people are going to be out there in the field. And so it's tough, it's tough to know like about the strike teams. We do know that the San Diego like police department feels that enforcement is a really tough route to go. They said, you know, from the beginning, they've said, we want to take the education first approach. 
and they just they just want to issue warnings, visit sites, and and issue the warnings. Um, technically, you can get a fine in a misdemeanor citation for uh, staying open. The fine's like a thousand dollars, I think. So a lot of people are just willing to take the risk of you know operating anyway. And I believe um, the governor's strike teams did hand out a few fines over over the holiday weekend a couple weeks ago, right? And they they've been handing out some fines, although they've said very small number of fines compared to the number of inspections that they've been doing. Right. And we had a quote in our story just from yesterday from a lieutenant who said, to be honest, we cannot enforce our way through this pandemic. And the way that I'm taking that is like they don't have the resources necessarily right. to get out there and do that. What they really want is, is community compliance. Um, so it just gets hairy. I think like there are a lot of small businesses who feel very connected to their neighborhoods and communities. And so we've been talking a lot about the ones that are breaking the rules, but there are a lot, probably the majority, in fact, that are following the rules. And more so even than the really large corporate businesses who have found ways to kind of work around the essential versus non-essential rule. So yeah, you have, why don't you talk about that? How do they get around that? Yeah, so um, it's, it's actually, it's so great because the way that you're defined as an essential business is that you fit into one of 16 like critical infrastructure sectors defined by the federal government. Okay. But if you read through the language about each infrastructure sector, there's a lot of room for gray area and interpretation. And I talked to a, a corporate attorney who said that, you know, big companies, they, they know exactly how to kind of squeeze into one of these avenues. Sometimes it's just like selling something that they didn't use to sell. Um, you know, a company that primarily sells tourism products can suddenly sell masks and now they're essential. Um, so there's there's a lot of ways to kind of get around that. But what we've seen is the small businesses feel an obligation often to close because they're very tied to their communities. They don't want to be the ones that are causing more cases. So right. this businesses often close anyway. So you've got like play it against sports in Pacific Beach that feels like an obligation to shut down. But Big Five Sporting Goods is open selling all the same products. And it's just it's kind of an un, unequal distribution of the rules. Right. So not only may they not be able to, the small businesses possibly can't afford the same corporate attorneys, but they also are much more connected to their communities. And they don't want to be known as the business that was, uh, you know, ground zero for an outbreak or something. Right. Whereas these bigger businesses, we're seeing them exploit all kinds of corporate loopholes and stay open with no compunction. Right. And the truth of the matter is the demand still remains for their products and for them to be open. And so people are still out shopping, you know, you know, depending on there's a lot of people who have different opinions about whether they should, but they're out there. And so what what's happening is I think these small businesses are seeing the bigger businesses continue to, to make money and feeling like I'm losing ground in competition. I can't pay my bills anyway. And I think that's contributing to this frustration in the second wave and being like, OK, I'm not sure I can keep doing this. And what about the you you brought up the consumers? What about the folks who go to the gym? Are do do they still have clientele that are willing to risk this? That for the gyms specifically, I'm thinking. Yes, uh, I've I've done a lot of coverage of the gyms, and I've, I've been out to them to see in person as well, and and talk to people there. And the you know I think it wouldn't surprise you the demographics of people who tend to show up at the gyms. They're often younger, okay, younger people who, um, you know, often working from home, folks who they're not getting outside their apartments for most of the day. 
And many people I talk to, it's not just about physical health. They feel like they need to be there for mental health. There's people who um, were, mil- you know, ex-military uh, who had PTSD and said, like, this is this is the only place that I feel like I can ground myself. And uh, and I feel like it's, you know, they're OK taking the risk to, to show up and be there. Um, and other people who's, who definitely feel like the physical fitness part of it uh, makes them feel safer to be in, in the current environment that we're in. So there's definitely an appetite. However, you do see people on social media who wished they could go back to their gym but don't feel safe there. Very frustrated that so many people will go to gyms without masks on and making that environment unsafe for, um, you know, the other parties. Yeah. Like, has there been any backlash from the community at large against these gyms and different businesses saying, Hey, you should be closed. Like, is there any self-policing from the community? You know, quite a lot. And it's, you know, I would love to even write a whole different story about this, this thing that's happening with businesses culturally where, you know, businesses are basically choosing a cultural side of this to serve. So like, there are some gyms who have decided that their clientele are the type that want to continue to come out, don't want to wear masks, and they're going to serve that market, if you will. And then there are others who've decided that their, you know, their market is carved out with those who, who respect, who, who want to see their businesses respect the safety of the community members. And so they, they kind of serve that market. And so it's very... Um, I think it's very divided depending on, first of all, what neighborhood that business is in, because neighborhood demographics and political leanings uh, play a big role here about what kind of demand we're seeing for certain services. What what neighborhoods are more likely to have these open gyms? Pacific Beach is an easy easy one. Let's let's know who we're talking about. Pacific Beach, okay, where else? Yeah, um, to be honest, neighborhoods that there are a lot of essential workers who live there or work there because they're already having to go to work every day. And so they still need certain services. Like for example, they just need to get their lunch. And so, you know, a lot of the restaurants that remain open or, or other kinds of services that are open in the area because those people have to work and kind of resume their normal life. There's more demand in those neighborhoods as well. Um, You you kind of see in affluent neighborhoods where you have a lot of um, white collar workers that are working from home. A lot more has remained shut down in those neighborhoods coastal communities, except for PB. <laughs> okay. Maybe they have gyms in their apartment buildings or something. Right. <laughs> okay. And so, so give me, so just to wrap up, give me your, your hot take. Where do you think that this is going to go? Are these businesses going to be able to survive? Are we going to see a lot of businesses go under while the corporate chain stores squeak by? Like, where are we going to be given the lockdown and the pandemic, say a, a month, two months, three, six months from now? Um, I covered small business before all this went down, including retail uh, extensively. And there's already a lot of economic reasons why small business has been kind of limping through the last decade or so from online retailers, all all kinds of things. The environment is not friendly already to local businesses. And so what I feel like I'm already seeing, especially when I go out into communities and I go to neighborhoods I'm really familiar with, is you're seeing a lot of businesses that are boarded up and they have signs saying they've decided to close down completely or maybe they should they're a retail and they decided to shift completely online and not have brick and mortar i've talked to a lot of people who who believe that they like in the real estate world who believe that we'll see a lot of vacancies uh come fall in our neighborhoods especially uh the tourism communities uh, downtown anything near the convention center 
And it's like, what are we going to do with all this real estate? You're seeing office buildings having a really hard time, uh, you know, staying alive because everyone's working from home. You're seeing restaurants go out of business, small retail go out of business. So you're going to have a lot of empty buildings soon. Maybe they'll all convert to housing because we need that. But yeah. um, I, I definitely think that you're probably, and this may take longer than a few months, like you mentioned, but I think in the future, we might see a whole lot less small local business and a whole lot more chains. Oof. Okay. Grim predictions here. From Brandy Miling, small business reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you so much for carving out time for the San Diego News Fix. Thank you.